Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and go! For Yelich! He has tied the game with a booming home run. He got it all. Tied up 4-4 on a big home run the pitch. Ryan Braun sends it to right center and deep. Get up! fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. The podcast is them diehard Brewer fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T-Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. You can find all the work we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. Not joining me as always is good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender. He is currently on vacation up in Eagle River, enjoying the Northwoods and the outdoors. He originally had a trip planned to Florida at this time, which they had to cancel for obvious reasons here. So he kept the PTO, is taking some well-deserved time off and enjoying some family time. So I'll cut him some slack here for not recording with me today. But I will be going solo on this Cardinals game here, so let's jump right into it, for we have five games to recap. Game one was a 2-1 Brewers win. That was the game one of the doubleheader on Monday night. Josh Lindblom got the start and went five innings strong, striking out six before the Brewers turned it over to their high-leverage guys in Devin Williams and Josh Ader, who both pitched scoreless innings to send it into extras. Unfortunately for the Brewers, like I said, the game was tied going into extras because their starter, Kim, went seven innings scoreless by himself, and the Brewers went 0-6 with runners in scoring position during normal gameplay here prior to extras. Once we do get to extras, Freddie Peralta would give up the go-ahead run, and the Brewers would trail one to nothing in the bottom of the extra innings. There, Ryan Braun would get things going immediately, hitting a near-miss home run to dead center that would end up scoring a run to put runners on second and third. Jace Peterson would then walk, and Kesson Hira hits a walk-off RBI sack fly. Game two of the doubleheader, you felt really good going into because while Lindblom pitched game one, you have Corbin Burns on the mound for game two. And he did pitch quite well, but he ran into a high pitch count issue that only allowed him to go four and two-thirds innings, but he did strike out ten batters. Offensively, the Brewers got some runs in the fourth inning. Jed Jerko hit a two-run bomb, and you really felt good because heading into the seventh inning, the Brewers were up two to one. So because they used Williams and Hayter in Game 1, Craig Council deemed them as unavailable and decided to use Eric Yardley here to pick up the save. He did record the final out in the 6th, and they left him in for the 7th, and in the 7th, he failed to record a single out. Yeah, terrible. So the Cardinals tie the game, and the Craig Council calls upon Drew Rasmussen to clean up Eric Yardley's mess, and he pitched one hell of an outing and managed to escape that with the game still tied. 
Rasmussen would then go on to pitch to score the eighth inning as well. And then the Brewers send in Justin Topa after that, and he ends up surrendering the eventual game-winning RBI to Paul DeYoung. Game three was on Tuesday, just a singular game in which the Brewers' offense exploded and they won 18-3. It did have a little bit of a shaky start as Brett Anderson gave up a run in the first inning, and I literally thought, oh boy, here we go again. But then the Brewers responded immediately. Yelich and Braun went back-to-back in the first inning, and then the Brewers' offense explodes, putting up seven runs in the fourth, six runs in the fifth. At that point, the game was just blown completely wide open. The funny fact from this game is the Cardinals sent forth starter Jack Flaherty. He entered the night with an ERA of 3.08, left the night with an ERA of 5.52, which is just absolutely bananas for this point in the season. Like You should not be seeing jumps like that, but when you get tagged with nine earned runs, uh, uh, that'll do it. And lastly, going to Wednesday's games, again, another doubleheader here. The Brewers lost the first one 4-2. to two. They did strike first, scoring off a two-run Kessinera home run. However, that would be the only runs that they would score. Brandon Woodruff was on the mound, so he really would have liked the Brewers to win this game. And he did pitch the complete game, all seven innings. Yeah, of the four runs scored, three of them were earned. The fourth one that was earned was off a terrible Jace Peterson throwing error. Woodruff would allow two home runs off two terribly located pitches to Tyler O'Neill and Brad Miller. Those are both solo homers. But otherwise, the fun nugget from this game here is Brandon Woodruff becomes the first pitcher to throw a complete game, because it still was, (laughs) since Jimmy Nelson in 2017 for the Brewers when he last did it against the Padres. And lastly, the second game of the doubleheader on Wednesday, Brewers wins 6-0. They again strike in the first inning, scoring four runs in the first with a Ryan Braun three-run homer, which was also his 350th career home run, so congrats there, big old Brawny. And then Jed Jerko had a sack fly. The only other runs the Brewers would score would be off a Jacob Nottingham two-run bomb in the bottom of the sixth inning. Pitching-wise, it was a bullpen day that consisted of Brett Suter, Freddie Peralta, Devin Williams, and then Eric Yardley. So overall, the Brewers do gain one game on the Cardinals here, so they take a slight step forward, which is better than what's been happening most of the season, and now you are running into this situation here. The Brewers have 11 games left, and the Reds, Cardinals, and Brewers are all within one game of another for the second spot in the NL Central, which again is good enough for a postseason berth this year in 2020. So looking back here on this Cardinals series, I think there is some obvious frustration when the Brewers lost that second game of the doubleheader on Monday night, just the way it happened, right? Like they used Devin Williams and Josh Hader in the first game, so they're unavailable in the second game. And of course, you know, I think many fans would say, oh, the game is close. You have to use them. You have to use them, which I completely get it. But looking ahead, I mean, you have that you have another game on Wednesday or on Tuesday, and then you have another doubleheader on Wednesday, and you want your high leverage guys available for those. For if you pitch them multiple innings, both Williams and Hader on Monday night, they're most certainly unavailable for Tuesday, and then they're extremely questionable for Wednesday, which you have another two games there. So I do think Craig Council made the right decision in not pitching either one of them. 
But I will agree it was super frustrating because then you have to rely upon Justin Topa, who, of course, just gives up the runs for the Brewers in extra innings there and costs them a game, which is just super frustrating, right? Because it's Justin Topa, and yeah. I do find it interesting that in the doubleheader on Wednesday, the Brewers, of course, did not call up Justin Topa because, for obvious reasons, they instead called up Eric Lauer, which I just thought they should have done in the first place. Because even if they weren't going to use him in an extended inning role, he's a hell of a lot better than Justin Dopa by far. And maybe that second game of the doubleheader has a different outcome if they elect to go with him there. Um, for the, They didn't even use him in Wednesday's doubleheader. But who knows? That's all hypothetical here at this point. A thing that's not hypothetical is Ryan Braun in September. He got Trevor and I's series MVPs last podcast, and he had another hell of a series here. He had the game-tying RBI on Monday, uh, Had nearly had that walk-off, like I said, into dead center. He had back-to-back homers with Yelly on Tuesday, and then, of course, had another three-run bomb on Wednesday. So... We kind of mentioned that in September here, Ryan Braun needs to get more playing time, and he is, and he has been extremely hot. He's It's what he does best, really. Like, this is Ryan Braun. Do you expect anything less out of him and when the Brewers need him the most on the biggest stage? He will always be there, so... It's really good to see him producing here because, as what's been mentioned all season long, we don't know what the future is in store for 2021 with Ryan Braun. There's obviously the contract issue, and then there's also, of course, just the age issue if he wants or even feels like he can continue to play through a full season. He's kind of hinted at both throughout the entirety of 2020. Dan Volkebach does continue to hit, hit, hit for the Brewers. In fact, my fellow contributor at Viewing the Brew, Matt Carroll, pointed out prior to Wednesday's doubleheader in Volkebach's eight game with the Brewers, he'd been on base every game. He had seven hits in those, or had hit in seven of the games when one of the games he got on only via the walk. And of course, that streak snapped right after he tweeted that out on Wednesday, which of course is baseball and normally how things go. But then he did restart the streak in game two of the doubleheader on Wednesday. But man, he, when Craig Council said he wanted to find lightning in a bottle with him, I think he has found it. His approach has just been beautiful, going to the opposite field consistently drawing walks he works deep into counts yeah sure he strikes out from time to time here but I mean so do all the other brewer players and they don't work the count so I have been very impressed with he has what he's been bringing to the table besides the hits as well lastly here Brandon Woodruff like I said he threw a complete game but again it was the fourth and the fifth innings where he continued to struggle just inability to put batters away and then that leads to poorly located pitches that the Cardinals did not miss and I mean they got home runs off Tyler O'Neill and Brad Miller these are not power hitters but they were just absolutely garbage pitches just meatballs out there for them to destroy and Cardinals took advantage so One of those things, I'm sure Brandon Woodruff is probably not happy or pleased with his start, despite going seven innings and 
you know, three earned runs. He did give up four in a normal game that you probably feel pretty good about that. But there was there was some miscues from him, some misfires, and he could have pitched better. And I know that Brandon Woodruff holds himself to a high standard, and so do we as Brewer fans because we expected him to be the ace. And Trevor talked a lot on the last podcast about this pitching staff is going to have to carry this team because the you know the offense hasn't shown the ability to consistently do anything up until this point. Although they, they I guess they kind of did this series here. But again, if Brandon Woodruff pitches well, the Brewers win game one of Wednesday's doubleheader. Then you're taking four out of five versus the Cardinals instead of three out of five. And you feel even better about the Brewers' chances of making the postseason at that point because your ace is pitching well. So I will say that I am, again, not quite pleased with his struggles that happened there in the middle innings. But with 11 games left, you know, he's going to have, what, two, three starts-ish left? And he's got to be dynamite for the starts for the Brewers to... They they have to win those games. Like, to date, the Brewers have a losing record when Brandon Woodruff is on the mound. That should, that should just not happen with your ace. I know he hasn't gotten run support for crap all season. And last year, it was literally completely different. The Brewers, I think up until like May or maybe even June in 2019, hadn't lost when Woodruff was on the mound. So it's just a complete script flip here. And it is total baseball. But the Brewers, no matter how many starts Woodruff has left, two or three, they need to go 3-0 and when he's out there. You're counting on him here at this point. So let's switch over here now into our series MVP. And series dud. So starting here with MVP, I'm going to go back-to-back series here and Ryan freaking Braun. For the series, he was 4 of 11, had one double, two homers, and six RBIs. And as I mentioned already, he was clutch in those at-bats. Really showing September Braun here to the best fashion possible. So I think it is very worthy of a repeat series MVP for me. I do have a considerable amount of honorable mentions here. Kessen Hira drove in seven runs for the series. He did only go two of 13, though. Did have three walks and then one homer. Um, so very productive when he was putting the ball in play. Christian Yelich showed some signs of life here. 5 of 17 for the series, three walks, did have one homer. Uh, Earlier on, like Monday, he just looked absolutely like garbage. He ends up with seven strikeouts for the series, but I think six of them came on Monday. Like it was that bad. And then Tuesday just flipped the script and actually built upon some of the momentum on Wednesday, too, in terms of hitting the ball and. He was hitting the ball hard all series. I think his first two hits on Tuesday had exit velocities over 100. So good to see him rebound a little bit in that regard. I am going to throw a rebound honorable mention consideration in here as well in terms of Corey Knebel. He threw two innings, struck out six, which is a career high for him because he, he normally doesn't do that. But the fastball velocity was incredible. 96, 97 consistently. The bender looked like it had a lot more break on it. And then he added a changeup. Like, yeah, 
I think he's been talking with Devin Williams. That's why he's getting this changeup idea. But he said he worked on it when he was on the IL, and he deployed it against the Cardinals. And I think you could literally hear the Cardinals going, what was that? <laughs> like, they had no idea. So Canelo flirting with a changeup here is awesome to see. And then my last honorable mention, Devin Williams, again, just continues his dominance. Pitched two innings this series here. Again, both, well, the second situation wasn't high leverage. They're up four to nothing. But still, he did surrender one hit, which I believe might have been the first hit off his changeup. Maybe a second. Um, did walk one batter and then struck out four. Just really continues to impress everyone. In terms of series dud, I'm going to go with Eric Yardley. So Trevor and I talked about him last time, about his maybe being like that David Phelps high leverage guy replacement, and he really hadn't had the opportunities, but he had the opportunities, especially in game two of that doubleheader on Monday where he failed to record an out in the seventh inning. So that was really frustrating. Well, his series stats aren't bad. I mean, he only gave up one earned run in the one in one-thirds innings pitched. That one earned run just, it came at such a crucial time for the Brewers. And again, if if they take that second game in the doubleheader on Monday and take four out of five this series, it's completely different. So Eric Yardley kind of, I'm not going to say he's getting booted out of high leverage spots, but he's certainly missed an opportunity to impress in that regard. My honorable mentions for series duds, I'm going to go with Luis Urias. Hitless against the Cardinals, 0 of 9, two strikeouts. Did have an air, which the Brewers' defense has been very impressive in terms of that this season. So I believe the ball just kind of literally went right through his legs. And sure, it was hit pretty hard. But an error, nonetheless, in a play he should have made. And then Jace Peterson also gets a series dud honorable mention for me. Hitless as well. Same stat line here, 0 of 9, although he did draw three walks. He had a terrible throwing error. And these two guys are really platooning it out at this point at third base because we have not seen Eric Sogard start consistently in I don't know how long. He's really... His face has not been out there. So it's been Urias and Peterson, and neither one of them really wants it at this point is kind of what it looks like. So let's move ahead here. We have the Royals coming up. So in that series, we will see Hauser versus Bubich on Friday, which should be pretty fun. If you don't know much about Bubich, he did not pitch above double A prior to this year and got thrust into this Royals starting rotation. Had a pretty successful MLB debut, nothing Freddie Peralta-like by any means, but he's coming in with a 4.50 ERA. There is some promise there with him, so it'll be exciting to see the Brewers go up against him. Saturday night, it'll be Burns versus Keller. That's going to be a hell of a pitching match. Keller's coming in with a 2.06 ERA and like 43-some innings pitched, so that will be fun to watch. And then Sunday, the Brewers have not announced the starter yet, but they will go against Duffy, who again is coming in with a low four ERA. So pitching-wise, you kind of like who the Brewers are going to be facing. Gives you hope that they should be able to take at least two here. I mean, that that's how the progression works here. You're taking step forwards. You need to keep doing that uh, in order to get the second spot in the NL Central. 
So let's take a look at what the Royals have been up here to. So offensively, they are in the middle to bottom of league as a team. Not great power slugging on base or average numbers. Pitching-wise, are really in the middle of the pack as well. In fact, when you take a look at team ERAs, the Brewers and Royals are right alongside one another. Uh, just the only big difference is the Royals don't rely on the strikeout as much. They're more closer to middle of the pack, whereas the Brewers are actually second in the MLB in strikeouts, which is just crazy to think about, um, especially considering where they were last year in that regard. In terms of individual standouts, not one player for the Royals has over 10 home runs. McKeel Franco and Whit Merrifield are their main run producers in terms of RBIs, uh, but it is important to remember that Hunter Dozier got a late start to the year, started off on the COVID-19 list, and then uh, Mondesi has insanely good speed on the year he has 16 stolen bases already so it's pretty much a guarantee if he gets on base that he's going so i think back to like this cardinal series it felt like the brewers were consistently throwing over to first with the cardinal speed well if mondesi's on he's gonna expect probably four or five throws before they actually throw to the batter uh, maybe not that bad, but it being a little dramatic there, he is really fast and has been really successful this season in stealing bases. So I think that will wrap it up for me here today. We will be back after the weekend series here to recap what happens against the Royals, and then we will gear up for this haul. We have three games versus the Reds and then five more versus the Cardinals, both of which are... Those series are going to be super important because those two teams, including the Brewers, those three teams are fighting for a spot in the playoffs, and we have our last eight games against them. So it's going to be an exciting finish here to the end of the season. I cannot wait to see what happens, but until next time, I will talk to you later, Brewer fans.